0: Hello, hello, we meet again. I am Heidi Kumjan and I'm your host of Lifelong Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's episode 60. Oh my gosh, how are we already 60 episodes in? This has been such a pleasure being able to host the fastest growing non toxic living podcast. Recently, I found out that Lifelong was ranked in the top 1000 health and fitness podcasts, and so excited to continue climbing those charts and getting the word out there about non toxic living and longevity because I'm on a mission to make non toxic living easy and accessible for all. And what better way than this show, which is free and available on every major streaming platform across the globe? So, And one of the cool things that I get to do with Lifelong Podcast is that I get to bring on so many amazing guests within the non-toxic, holistic, longevity space. And today, I'm actually so honored to be bringing on a pioneer in the movement of non-toxic living. You're probably familiar with her of Ruan Living. Her name is Sophia Ruan Gushy. And She's an expert in non-toxic living. She founded a wellness platform called Moran Living that empowers others to improve their health by mindfully reducing their exposures to hidden toxins in their everyday lives. She's the author of A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Your Toxic Exposures, and several detox workbooks. She's praised by experts in both medical and wellness fields for her practical, grounded approach to avoiding toxins and cultivating a healthier home environment. I could not be more excited to be joined by Sophia today to be chatting all about endocrine disrupting chemicals. So, we really wanted to stay super focused here and to provide a ton of value to you, the audience, about endocrine disrupting chemicals because. These are the chemicals that throw your hormones out of whack and literally everyone I feel like these days is dealing with some type of hormonal issue or stressor. So with that, join me in welcoming Sophia Ruan Gushi.
1: Sophia, hello. Yeah. So good to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here to talk to you. So excited
0: to talk about non-toxic living. You obviously are a wealth of knowledge. When people think of non-toxic living and learning, I could ask you know, my closest friends and peers in this space and your name comes up time and time again. So I'm so honored to have you here today. That's so nice to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to just focusing today's conversation on endocrine disrupting chemicals, because again, there are so many different areas, but I I feel that I I really want to educate my audience, go really deep on why endocrine disrupting chemicals should be top of mind and what they all affect. So we're going to spend the next 30 minutes here going into it. But to start out on this topic, can you explain what this class of chemicals is
1: to the audience. So, as you said, it's a class endocrine disrupting chemicals refers to a class of chemicals. And currently, I've read that there are eight hundred to a thousand endocrine disrupting chemicals that have been identified. It depends on the material uh, the researcher looking at. The fact is, no one really knows. And just as a reminder, in the United States, it's estimated that there are over 84,000 chemicals that have been introduced into American commerce since World War II. It's also estimated that every year there are anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 new chemicals introduced into the year. So it's just been impossible for us to really track how many chemicals there are out there and how many new chemicals are introduced each year. And so the 800 to 1000 endocrine disrupting chemicals that have been identified it really underrepresents the reality. But endocrine disrupting chemicals are man-made chemicals that can participate as hormones in our bodies. Hormones guide almost all biological processes, not just in the womb during the prenatal period. Hormones guide the development of the heart and the brain and the reproductive system and our whole biological foundation, which then can influence our life quality later on in life. Increasingly, there have been studies on adult-onset diseases that maybe have fetal origins. And so there's an emerging strong body of science showing that So much of what happens to us as adults has origins in the womb. But every day, whether you're uh, a fetus in the womb or a toddler growing really rapidly or a fully formed adult who isn't growing as dramatically, hormones guide our circadian rhythms, our metabolism our detoxification, our moods and really everything that affects our daily life. So the idea that there are man-made chemicals in household products that can block, scramble and, you know, just disrupt the messaging that our complex endocrine system performs it just makes intuitive sense that reducing your exposures to hormone disruptors is a wise thing to do. And so what I focus on is empowering people with the simple things they can do to start reducing their exposures to toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and even the radiation from what we buy, own, and do. But inevitably, this helps people avoid a host of endocrine-disrupting chemicals.
0: Awesome response. I really appreciate the thoroughness, and I really like that you brought up the different, you know, kind of critical periods of time and how important, you know, it might be for the pregnant mother, the toddler, the developing baby, the preteen going through puberty. But also, you said it's important for adults non-pregnant adults, adults just live in, live in their life too, because hormones play such a critical role in all of these processes in the body. So I'm really glad that you emphasize the importance because I know that there are people that, you know, maybe the, the common person hears about endocrine disrupting chemicals. They learn a little bit and think, oh, well, that only matters if you're pregnant or that only matters if, you're a certain age. And it's like, well, no, it's really important for everyone. And it's not meant to scare people. You know, your information is empowering people. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight that aspect as well.
1: And I'll add that historically, women and children have not been that studied by scientists. It's actually been focused on a white man that doesn't even reflect most men. But increasingly, science has recognized unique vulnerabilities. And so children are being studied separately and women, but women are so much more complex because we have the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And on our podcast, Elizabeth McCormick, who's my partner at Ruan Living, she was talking about a recent study on how the irregular menstrual cycle can signal cardiovascular issues. And so Mm. it's just really helpful for women to be mindful of what can promote a healthy menstrual cycle, which just regulates so many other biological processes. And Mm -hmm. women going through menopause have probably been studied you know, relatively very little. And that's Mm -hmm. so complex too. And Mm -hmm. how do all the hormones shifting during menopause affect our brain and our heart and our quality of life? So just that's just to reiterate that no matter where you are in your life course, the more you can remove synthetic participants in your endocrine system, the more unburdened your your natural biology can be because we are naturally so brilliant. And so mm-hmm. if we can just remove obstacles, man-made obstacles, then our system, our our natural environment, like internally can thrive.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we don't want these foreign offenders just plopping in and replacing essential natural processes, hormones. Um, I love that you explained that so well. When it comes to these 800 to 1,000 endocrine-disrupting chemicals, that's definitely a lot. Are there some top offenders to be looking out for, certain products that are the most offensive or important to be on the lookout
1: for? Some really infamous offenders are phthalates and parabens. Phthalates are a class of chemicals that are in many things, including products with fragrance. So if you read product labels and you see fragrance as an ingredient, that usually includes phthalates. Also, any soft plastics like vinyl or other soft petroleum-based materials, they can often have phthalates. Parabens are a class of preservatives used in things like lotions, cosmetics, and many other things. So they also are well-known hormone disrupting chemicals, but it's so hard to, I tried to, I started a list like 16 years ago when I started learning about this, I started a list of chemicals to avoid in product labels, but then my list started to include hundreds of chemicals. And I realized, this is not sustainable. I need a more strategic mm-hmm. approach. And so I learned that fragrance, which is listed in so many products, is an easy way to avoid hundreds of either harmful or risky ingredients. Yeah, it's
0: a scary one for sure. And it's not that we're talking about food, but fragrance and natural flavors are too kind of murky Terms that are produ- protected by trade secrets, so upwards of, you know, hundreds of chemicals can be hidden by that one term. But yeah, definitely definitely good to limit those, and phthalates, phthalates, I never know how to pronounce that term, are something I encourage my audience to become very mindful of because of all the research that is coming out. With those and like Dr. Shauna Swan's research on the 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 male development and masculinity and, and all those things, which I do want to go into eventually. But my next question is what systems like I I know you described endocrine disrupting chemicals, but can we go into some of the systems of the body that are particularly affected? We, you, you had mentioned the, you know, hormonal system, but, but how does it affect things like fertility or masculinity or even the menstrual cycle? What are the granular details to how that can can make those impacts on the body?
1: It's highly complex. And my understanding of how it affects you and which systems are most vulnerable but it's focusing on the rep- on reproductive health mm-hmm. it depends on when in your life you're exposed so in the womb it seems like baby boys are more vulnerable than baby girls but baby boys are maybe the effects are more obvious so for example studies have found that pregnant women who have high body burdens of certain hormone-disrupting chemicals like phthalates, let's just take phthalates, they tend to have baby boys with a higher incidence of certain birth defects. So an example of one is hypospadias. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it is when the hole in the penis where the urine comes out is in a different location. It's closer to the boy's anus. And that oh, distance goodness. between the hole of the penis and the anus, it can signal other, an increased likelihood of other health issues. So it's been appearing with greater incidence. It's not a big deal to have that fixed. But I think what's important to be curious about is what else might it signal? So therefore, adopting in your healthy living efforts, adopting this overlooked pillar of toxic exposures is as important as eating healthy, exercising regularly, sleeping well. I just think that it's more important than ever that we be mindful of our toxic exposures. So that's an example of a pregnant woman with a baby boy in her womb, one potential outcome of having a lot of exposures to an endocrine disrupting chemical like phthalates. We don't know how that might affect a baby girl because if that affects her ovaries, that's just harder to observe mm-hmm. yeah. and we maybe it influences her ability to get pregnant later maybe it affects the DNA in the ovaries We don't really know it's just much harder to study mm-hmm. if a grown woman who let's say she's already completed menopause is has a high body burden of phthalates, the effects will not be as significant as if she were exposed in the womb or during adolescence or even during menopause, because those are, those are stages when the hormones have a really meaningful effect on the new foundation for the next stage of this person's life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's, Okay. So that was the female, broadly speaking, but, and males, I have not read as, I don't think as much about males after they're born. I'm just, I only have, I have three daughters. I don't have a son (laughs) and I've just been very mindful of females having more stages of relying on significant hormonal changes. With a guy, I'm with the male, I'm just not as aware, other than the prenatal period, the early childhood period, and adolescence, I'm not aware of what goes on later on in life that depends on significant hormonal changes. There's also just natural aging. And hormones guide everything. Hormones mm-hmm. are increasingly being studied for increasing the likelihood of obesity and mental health outcomes and brain development. And the brain develops until our 20s. So it's so highly complex. I feel like when people ask, what's the number one worst toxic chemical or the most important adverse health outcome? I feel like People are asking me what's more important, your brain or your heart, your heart or your reproductive ability. It's like it's hard to choose. It's all important and it's interconnected.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's the key piece is the interconnection and that these chemicals, it's important to learn about them and take strides to living a lower toxic life because they do affect all systems of the body. So that is paramount I think just un- the, the understanding that these can affect so many different parts of the body the sy- different systems of the body yeah you can't just prioritize oh it's only the brain we need to we need to care about or it's only the reproductive system it's like no we have to look holistically at the body i'm also you you mentioned obesity and when i With endocrine disrupting chemicals, I've been reading a lot about obesogens, which are essentially right in there with endocrine disrupting chemicals. Have you done research or is there anything you can speak on about obesogens and the the relationship between chemicals and obesity? I know it's a touchy subject too, and there's lots of different causes for obesity. So I just want to put that little disclaimer out there. But
1: Yes. Obesity results from not just one factor. Mm -hmm. I have not dived too much into it. I just happened to notice there are a lot of studies on whether BPA is an obesogen. Mm -hmm. BPA is a widely used chemical that can be found in plastics and the inner lining of metal canned foods. So... Avoiding plastic food and beverage containers and avoiding canned foods can reduce your BPA exposures. I'll also just add that even though BPA has been studied in great detail, the substitute chemicals for BPA have also been found to be, some of them have been found to be at least as harmful or risky as BPA. So when you see products that say BPA-free, don't assume that it's necessar- it's necessarily safer
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i I don't know me- much more I don't remember much more I personally I'm someone who ever since i ever since I can remember like third fourth grade maybe first grade I've always enjoyed eating healthy I've always enjoyed e- eating lots of vegetables and fruits and wow light foods. Like I didn't like fried foods. I didn't like red meat. My father and I were very similar in in that way. My mom and my brother loved, they didn't love vegetables and fruit and they liked red meat and fried foods. <laughs> <laughs> and my whole family played a lot of tennis. I swam a lot. So I grew up eating healthy, exercising regularly. I was lucky that my mom, my, my dad felt strongly that my mom make homemade meals, Mm. home-cooked meals, and Mm -hmm. she loved it and is an amazing cook. And so somebody pointed out to me in my 40s that not many people can say that they've had that healthy of a lifestyle. From such an early age, they ate really healthy and exercised a lot. I was always a bad sleeper, I'll add, but I also always felt bad. I had really poor energy, and I was so confused in high school why I felt so bad when everyone would say, you're so healthy. Mm. And it wasn't until I started avoiding toxic chemicals and heavy metals and later the radiation just reducing my exposures that I started to feel better than ever. I probably... I'm still a horrible sleeper, but I that was... There are a lot of constants with the eating and the sleeping, but even the diet and so many other products got detoxed. And I just started feeling more in my body. And even my, even though my body weight was is probably about the same or even a little bit more, I feel like I look better. I feel more in my body. And I often think about obesogens when I think about this experience of how I feel in my own body, Mm -hmm. how I feel energy-wise. When I have read a little bit about the obesogens and I've seen pictures of mice that were exposed to lots of BPA and mice that were not in the control group, I automatically think about how I felt in high school. Mm
0: -hmm. And I don't
1: know if that makes any sense, but I I kind
0: of know what you mean. It's almost like a sluggishness or something just, I know, I know what you mean. Your cells
1: hold on to fat Mm -hmm. and I think where it's deposited. And of course your body changes naturally, but I didn't grow up hearing that you feel better as you get older. On the (laughs) contrary, I heard you feel, you just kind of gain weight and feel worse. And that's an inevitable. You can't move and you can't think. think And And I've had the opposite experience where I feel more comfortable in my body, energy wise, mobility, so many benefits. And the
0: tox, reducing your toxic exposure is, it sounds like that has been the missing
1: piece. Yeah. And I noticed that when I would visit my parents in college and, or Beyond and my mom would cook just the ingredients she's using are different Mm -hmm. so she'll use a lot of she's an amazing cook with Taiwanese and Chinese dishes and a lot of ingredients that she buys when I now read the the product labels I see so many chemicals that Mm -hmm. I rather avoid and I feel worse. My energy feels a lot worse. So I run these own mini experiments just to see when I feel better or worse, Mm -hmm. which I encourage everyone to do. Do
0: the same.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can eliminate toxic exposures and like clean up your normal experience Mm -hmm. in your home and your routines. And then when you're outside your home, outside your routine, you might notice, oh, I'm certain symptoms are being triggered and that mm-hmm. wasn't that used to be my normal now I realize I don't normally right. feel so congested or low energy yes
0: yeah oh my gosh this is sounds so par- I have so many parallels with what you're sharing right now especially with the you know making these changes running these mini experiments on yourself and just observations really I have done the same thing in my own lifestyle over the years it's been a slow journey of, of going non-toxic and really really holistic it's it hasn't happened overnight it's been a 10 plus year journey of upgrading you know but what I like to tell people around me my audience is that this is a journey not a destination and although this information, especially, you know, when I get granular, when anyone in this space gets granular about the the chemicals and what they do to the body, it can be super overwhelming. But what I, I like to share is that, hey, make some slow changes, baby steps every day, swap out one product at a time as you're running out, you know, make maybe some dietary changes with the reducing toxic exposures, you know, choosing maybe some beans that are in a glass jar versus a BPA jar. Just these, these slow little upgrades and you'll start to feel better. And it becomes this most, uh, the most amazing snowball of, okay, now I don't feel so overwhelmed. I actually feel good with these little changes. So now I'm going to make another little change and another little change. And now I feel really good. So that's one thing. And then the other thing was, you know, making these changes in your home, making these changes that you are in control of are are so important. But the reality is there is a world outside of our home and there are a lot of toxins and we will have exposures and travel is a, a big trigger, I know, for a lot of people, myself included. But it's that realization that I don't have to be 100% perfect at this, you know, I, we can feel good knowing that 99, 90% of the time, whatever number you want to pick, majority of the time when you're making those conscious, healthy, low toxic decisions, you're good. If you're going to have five to 10% of some exposures, maybe traveling or you're visiting family or friends, that's okay. But it, it, it's really, it's a complex thing. And I just wanted to share, share my own little story there as well, because it sounded like there were some parallels.
1: Definitely. And I agree. I work with people to improve the factors that optimize their resiliency. So Absolutely. when you unburden your home and your everyday exposures, then, and you optimize factors that promote high quality sleep. When you are around exposures, you can't control, you're just more resilient to deal with it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Resilience is the, is the key, the key word. It really, it really is because the, just like you said, the more you reduce these things, the more resilient your body can be. And even there's different, maybe you can speak on this, some different detox detoxification protocols are there certain things that that you like to do in your own lifestyle or that you like to share with your audience that can maybe help people become more resilient in addition to just generally reducing your toxic exposures are there anything any other things people can do
1: there are so many things. In my book, A to Z of Detoxing, which is almost 500 pages,
0: but <laughs> many, many pages where it's And I'll just, link it. I'll link it.
1: It's many sources that were cited, and I, I did make it very easy to skim. Most of the book includes tips on Perfect. how to reduce exposures from eight pillars of your life cleaning, diet, beauty, personal care products, children's products, interior furnishings, a bit on technology. I The end of the book has just t- the top 10 strategies and they're really simple and they're strategies that I focus on every day. It's still a focus. So one is just being mindful of simple things you can do to Optimize your indoor air quality, knowing that when you cook on the stovetop, that there are toxic fumes and particles being released. And so to ventilate while you cook is important. Or when outdoor air quality is better than indoor air quality, open up your windows to allow fresh air exchange because indoor air tends to be at least two to five times more polluted than outdoor air even in the most industrialized cities like New York City. Mm-hmm. And, and so even just keeping those few things in mind is an everyday focus because I don't live alone, fortunately. My husband and my children have heard for years, mentally, when you cook, when you turn on the stove, and they still forget. <laughs> and I see so many people not think to do it and my children have heard their whole lives let's wash your hands before you eat (laughs) and i still have to remind them (laughs) because the dust in our homes on our surface areas contain toxic chemicals and heavy metals and so we're constantly wiping them collecting them on our fingertips so washing your hands before you eat and drink also is a meaningful way to reduce your toxic exposures. And the bottom of our shoes will track in toxic chemicals and heavy metals and viruses. And so having a no shoes policy at home is really high impact. And COVID 19 helped support these simple tips that I've mentioned, but I still, not everyone who visits your home has that habit. So just making sure everyone who enters your home takes off their shoes and is, you know, mindful of these things is, I I just find it to be a daily challenge. And there are so many other things. I think it took me about a year to detox my household products of fragrance because Mm -hmm. I started out thinking it's just in my cleaning products and candles and perfume and cologne. I kept discovering over the course of a year how many other products have fragrance. I was most shocked by baby dolls. I thought, oh. really? Do you really need to fragrance a Jeez. baby doll? My baby won't notice.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And garbage, and garbage bags. bags.
1: took a long time, so many hours over years. Oh, I no. think now there are garbage bags without fragrance, Mm -hmm. but it's been really hard to find fragrance-free garbage bags. And so I I applied so much of my common sense strategies into a 40-day home detox to try and help people change how they see things and rely more on informed senses, what you see, hear, smell, taste. And so as we edit your life after you learn about a common source of toxic exposures and you do a scavenger hunt in your home Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you just become more mindful of how these toxic exposures influence your symptoms, you then end 40 days with some common sense strategies that you can apply when you're shopping and editing your stuff. Because I spent years trying to research every purchase. And I got to a point where I realized this is not sustainable or practical. I need Mm -hmm. a more fluid way to avoid really obvious offenders in terms of potential purchases. And so I share those in a 40-day home detox.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. I will be sure to link both of those, the A to Z of detoxing and the 40-day detox in the show notes. I'm sure, again, my audience is probably quite familiar with your work. I already, I already know that, but I'm excited to include those links for easy access for everyone because, you know, providing resources yes. is the best thing we can do right now. Sophia, this has been so much fun. There could be a million other directions. So many different topics that you and I could chat about. I'm excited to do a swap and chat on your podcast as well soon. But are there any closing remarks, resources you want to share with the audience? Where can everyone find you?
1: so please sign up for our newsletter because it shares the wide variety of things that we're working on and you can just text the word detox d-e-t-o-x to the number 66866 and then you'll receive a text message asking for your email address so that's an easy way to sign up for the newsletter where you'll learn more about new podcasts when the next round of the 40-Day Home Detox will start. We also have a Detox Academy that is more focused on product swaps and super practical gradual detox changes, and Elizabeth and I are available live weekly to answer questions, but it's an online detox universe that I always wanted while I worked on writing A to Z of detoxing over eight years because I had a prior career that I loved. I never wanted to leave it. I never wanted to research this topic as much as I did. I always just wanted to be able to ask an informed mom, what should I know? What should I buy? And will you tell me in as little time as possible? Mm. And so because I never found that, I have felt compelled to create it for others where it's a online place where informed people who've researched things related to their needs can share their wisdom and learn from others. So that's also available and you'll learn more about it through the newsletter.
0: Awesome. Great. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcasts? have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all and we'll see you next week.